but changing the mindset, even now with coronavirus, uh, that fancy term of pre-existing conditions is just diabetes, heart disease, asthma, respiratory issues. And so showing people how all of those pre-existing conditions don't have to exist if we take healthy steps and we can actually be ready and start building our immune systems instead of allowing them to be compromised in the matter that they are. And so we're seeing a good response. People are ready to heal. They're ready. Welcome to Strength Through Compassion Podcast. What is going on, guys, and welcome back to Strength Through Compassion Podcast. I'm your host, JP Singer, and this is the show where we talk about self-growth, plant-based living, and sharing the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. I'm so excited that you guys are here. Welcome back. This is the second episode back, if you want to call it that, from the little hiatus that I had, and I'm excited to have my first guest back as well, and that's going to be the Brooklyn Borough President, Eric Adams. We sat down for a little interview and talked about the state of the world and the amazing initiatives that he has put forth in the Brooklyn Borough in New York City for a plant-based diet and vegan initiatives and getting into the hospitals and doing preventative treatment and meatless Monday days uh, for the schools tons of awesome stuff uh, he he's a really awesome guy and he's done a lot of good stuff you've probably seen you know if you if you watch um or, or read veg news online or something like that you've probably seen his name pop up with the things that he's done for the city so um i'm excited for you guys to hear this episode of our conversation yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope everyone is doing okay. I know a lot of states are reopening right now. So whatever situation you may be in right now, just wishing you well and hoping that you know, you're know you managing through financially, spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever it may be. Uh, I hope you guys are doing okay. Genuinely, I know I kind of fell off during this whole thing. And like I touched on in last episode, part of me feels a little bit guilty that I didn't, you know, be that voice for some people that maybe needed some some inspiration, some insight. But, you know, sometimes we just got to take that time off and reflect on what we're feeling ourselves before we can share with others. So that's what I did. I'm glad you guys are back. I'm glad I'm back. Enjoy this episode with Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, and I will see you on the other side. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I keep seeing your name uh, pop up in Veg News and other publications, highlighting the amazing work that you're doing for your community. So I'm excited to have you here to talk about those initiatives and everything that's going on in the world right now. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I I believe it's just a point of uh, giving back. Uh, The universe was was kind to me and showing me a pathway of reversing my diabetes. And so now I want to do a social deposit um, in life and give back at the same time. I like that social deposit. I haven't heard that before. That's good. So uh, first and foremost, um, you know, what's it like for you right now? And, and one of America's biggest hotspots during this, this COVID thing happening right now, I know it has to be pretty crazy. It is, it is. And it's amazing that we, go through 
on what one would call trials and tribulations in life. And we ask ourselves sometimes, why are we going through them? Uh, but in fact, it's really a preparation for what's downstream. And I think that my years in law enforcement, uh, my uh, facing a chronic disease and just battling through really prepared me uh, for a coronavirus and just the onslaught. You know, one must really understand the American culture, why this is ha having such a physical and emotional impact. And if you do, you, you understand how traumatizing it is. And so I'm seeing that trauma every day. I saw it before in 9-11 and I'm seeing it again. And of course, this is not terrorism, but it's still terror. And people are experiencing the byproduct of that terror. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely crazy times. I mean, I don't think I've experienced anything like this in my lifetime now. Of course, uh, you know, I'm only 28 years old, but still, um, I think this is the first thing really that has impacted my life to such a degree. So I like that you said it's, you know, preparing you for what's downstream because uh, in my personal belief, life is always going to keep throwing punches. So you just got to get stronger. <laughs> well, that is so true. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to start off with a, with a big question here, and this is something I ask every guest who comes onto my show because I really like to get to know people at the core. What is your mission statement for life? What do you hope to achieve while you're here on earth? Uh, to find my purpose and contribute and live up to that purpose. I think we all have a purpose, and far too often... Uh, we allow people to take us off the pathway of that purpose, and we never really contribute. We're, we're not an accident. We're here for a reason. And I want to live up to that reason I'm here to make that impact. Uh, one person can impact uh, billions. You know, you look at some of the people who have done things uh, in their existence, and it has changed the course of humanity. And so uh, my mission is to find my purpose and to live up to that purpose. Do you think that you found your purpose already? Do you know, do you know what that is? Or are you still searching? That's, that is extremely fascinating. Uh, when I was in the police department, uh, I thought my greatest contribution uh, was in an organization I started uh, to really deal with police reform. It was in a di very difficult time when crime was high. And the level of uncertainty between police and communities of color uh, was also high. And uh, my organization played the role in really dismantling some of that tension. And I thought that was my legacy. But right now, I think I am in the midst of my legacy in creating an environment where families could no longer be traumatized uh, by uh, health. And I think that uh, this is clearly what I feel is my purpose. I wake up every day and think about it, and I am really immersed into uh, the health of our, of our city, our country, and really our globe. It's funny how it changes over time. You know, you, you do something when you're young and you think, this is it. This is what I'm, I'm meant to do. And then as time goes by and, and you evolve as a, a human being, you know, it, it changes. So, you know, maybe we're not all here for just one purpose. Maybe we have an evolving purpose and that's with everyone. 
Well said. And I think there's a level of connectivity to each one of them, those multiple purposes, uh, because the my law enforcement uh, purpose led into and is similar in nature to the health purpose. And so I think that the desire to give back, take my lessons and the moments of pain and ter- turn, turn them into purposeful moments. Uh, my mother told me when I was a child that if you are fortunate to live long enough, you're going to be unfortunate to experience pain. So the question becomes, how do we turn pain into purpose? And that is um, many of those various journeys and those punches that you're, you're given. You're still standing and you keep moving forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well said. So talk a little bit about your personal journey. Obviously, you've experienced some of these, you know, these punches and you've survived through them and you've you've gone on to, you know, evolve with your purpose. So what's some of the adversity that you faced growing up and how it helped you become the person that you are today? I think one of the most impact moments for me was when I was a child. And, and I think two very significant moments, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, was was one uh, looking at uh, my mother. My mother has six children, and I always tease people. She she loves them all, but she adores me. I'm her favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure all the other five would say the same. <laughs> but you know, mom, I grew up in. I was born in Brownsville, Brooklyn. It was a very difficult time. It was during the uh, uh, '60s. I was born in 1960. And so, you know, I lived through as a child um, that 60 movement um, and watching it. And I can still remember parts of it. But uh, it was a very dangerous block on 1218 Gates Avenue off of Broadway. And mom came in from the South, from Alabama, you know, third grade education and just always knew uh, inheritantly that, you know, there's always a better life. So she wanted to move us from from Brooklyn uh, to Queens. And that was so foreign to the people of the four-story tenement that we look, lived in. And she cleaned clothes and ironed other people's clothes. She's cleaned homes of people. And finally, she saved up enough money to move us to Queens. And at her closing was the attorney that she used to clean his house. And he was surprised to see her. He says, Dorothy, what are you doing here? She said, well, you know, this is my house in her very humble voice. A different era, different time. I always got to remember that. And so mom, uh, after she did the closing, she went um, and cleaned the attorney's home for him. And after she cleaned it, uh, he fired her. You know, he, he you know, basically said, you know, who you think you are, you can buy a house. And wow. she struggled with that house and you, we used to go to school every day with a glad bag they used to call us the glad bag children because we used to carry a glad bag full of clothing because she didn't want us to be embarrassed that we would be the marshals would throw us out and we wouldn't have any change of clothing but she showed the resiliency and that was the resiliency i saw when i look at the second level of um uh, you know an impactful moment was when I was arrested. My brother and I were beat bad by police when we were arrested. And I still think my brother suffers from mental health issues around that beating. But I took that moment to go into that same department 
and change it for the better. It was a it was a very difficult 22 years, you know, rising up through the rank from a police officer to a sergeant, a lieutenant, eventually retiring as a captain. Uh, but every day I moved towards a career, an occupation that I love to take it to the level that I knew it could become. And it's still a struggle, but we we made an impact. And, you know, that was turning pain into purpose. Yeah, because that could have went the other way. You could have made, you know, the police your enemy and been fighting against them your whole life. But instead, you actually went in, you know, to the source and, and tried to make a difference. I, that's very commendable. No, no, so true. And that was that was the desire to do just that. So most people, I think, will know you as as being, you know, the, the Brooklyn Borough president who's implementing these, these plant-based or vegan uh, movements into the city. So why don't you give us a little background about when you made the switch to a plant-based diet? It was uh, a, about four years ago. I was out of the country and I, I had a serious pain in my stomach. And I shared with everyone that I, I thought sure it was colon cancer uh, because I, I lost a good friend at that time to colon cancer. And it didn't move. It wasn't gas. It was it was at one place and it was extremely uh, discomforting. And, you know, men, you have to drag us to the hospital. You know, we're in that, we, we're in that whole era of, you know, suck it up, you know, handle yeah. the pain. And so finally I got back to the country and I went to my internist who subsequently sent me to um, have a colonoscopy uh, carried out as well as to check my stomach. And when I came out from under anesthesia, the doctor looked at my blood work and he says, Eric, your colon is fine. You have an ulcer. But he said, your diabetes is, you know, he said, I am amazed that you are not in a coma right now. Your diabetes numbers are through the roof. And I was experiencing vision loss at the time. Uh, my ophthalmologist told me that I was technically legally blind. I had to, t- I had to turn in my driver's license. Wow. And I was having tingling in my hands and feet. I later learned from him that it was permanent nerve damage that could eventually lead to amputation. And high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, just, you know, just my body was in terrible shape. I, I, I looked what we uh, attempted to normalize uh, the term healthy, but I looked like, you know, a normal, you know, healthy person because of my, my frame. I was always, always had an athletic build, but in reality, I needed to take an internal selfie because my body was breaking down. In fact, it broke down. And I went to five of the top doctors in the city, uh, and they told me my my vision loss was permanent and that I had to go on medication, you know, medication for my ulcer, permanent, medication for my vision loss, my nerve damage, my diabetes. They wanted to give me three medications, including uh, insulin. I had to start immediately injecting myself with insulin. And it was just a moment that I just refused to believe that that was the route and that was the life I had to live. So what was it uh, particularly that led you then to the the plant-based diet to use that as a solution? Um, Because, I mean, even even four years ago, 
Um, I mean, I think that plant-based has gained a lot of steam over the last decade. Um, but even four years ago, maybe it wasn't as known as much as, as it is today. Was there something in particular, something you read or learned that said, this is the route that I want to take? Because I'm assuming that your, your doctors weren't the ones that put you on the path to the plant-based diet. <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, I put some of them on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened, I, I was... I went to the computer and, you know, it's so amazing that I can remember like it was yesterday because my doctor gave me a pamphlet that said living with diabetes, all the information that each doctor I visited talked about living with diabetes. And, you know, I went to the computer and I didn't type living with diabetes. I typed reversing diabetes. Mm. And that one word, made the search different. Yeah. And all of this information came up. Dr. Esselton, Dr. Gregor, Dr. Bonner, Dr. Uh, Dean Ornish. And I just started reading. I remember reading throughout the entire night. And early the next morning, I called one of the doctors, Dr. Esselton, down at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. And I told him that I wanted to look into what he said. Is this true, what you wrote? Because you remember, you see, you know, I'm, I'm at 50 at that point, you know, 55. And all my life I'm hearing that, listen, this is the route. There's no such thing as reversal. And so now I'm going against the cultural norm. That's a very challenging thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so I flew down to see Dr. Esselton and he told me, listen, change your change what you're eating. And I remember looking at him when he was telling me the food to stop eating. And I said, what's wrong with this nut? I'm going blind <laughs> and he's telling me to stop eating chicken. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I returned to the city with a real mission of, you know what? I have nothing to lose. Yeah. So how long did that process take then for you to reverse all these uh, symptoms? The when I got back to uh, my home, I looked through my fridge and I saw that exactly what he talked about. I started for the first time really reading labels and started really looking at all of the items and noticing that, wow, there's nothing in my fridge that's healthy. Everything was processed. Mm. And I threw it all out. And three weeks after going to a whole food plant-based diet, three weeks later, my vision cleared up. Wow. Three months later, the nerve damage went away. My blood pressure normalized. My cholesterol normalized. Uh, my entire, entire body changed. I dropped 35 pounds. And I, I am clearly... I have never been this healthy in my life. Yeah, and these are all things that they said were were permanent. You know, the nerve damage, the vision, and it took all three weeks and and three months to clear this up. Isn't that something? <laughs> That's crazy. I, it really That's is. A, I mean, it's amazing, and I've heard so many stories that are similar to it. Right. You know, through a, through a whole food plant based diet, and I think that the, you know, it's just a matter of the public and and kind of getting all the 
the published, you know, scientific articles to catch up and be widely available and, and be taught as medicine, you know, rather than this alternative, you know, cause I think we're, you know, we're all taught that, that medicine is, is pills and is, you know, the pharmaceutical industry. And, and we rarely focus on, you know, fixing things from the source, which people don't even realize that the standard American diet is the cause of so right. many of these diseases. Well said. And it's, it, it, it empowers me, but it saddens me and it angers me, the level of betrayal. Because mm-hmm. I think about my friend who died from colon cancer, food-related, a low-fiber diet, processed food, brilliant attorney, had a brilliant career in front of him and his children. You know, I think about all the people I know that lost their limbs and lost their sight. And it's just a level of betrayal that we did not tell people the truth. And then the highest level of betrayal for me is what we what we have done to healthcare professionals. Those doctors and nurses who practices practiced on their cats or dogs or their little brothers and sisters when they were children, hoping one day they would heal people mm. just to be taught something that would only contribute to the destruction of them. Betrayal right. is so high. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. But, you know, luckily there's people such as yourself who are speaking up and, and giving back with the information that they've learned. So I want to dive into that a little bit and talk about some of the initiatives that you've made with uh, all the benefits that you know about a plant-based diet and how you've applied them to the borough of Brooklyn. We've, we've done some amazing things over the last four years and you know, many people thought it was impossible, but I know uh, nothing is more powerful than a mind made up in a time that has arrived. Uh, the first initiative we're extremely proud of is the Meatless Mondays in our public school system. Uh, we want children to start becoming empowered over the power of food. When you think about 70% of 12-year-olds have early signs of heart disease. Our number one killer in America is the the number one killer is heart disease. To really start showing young people how to eat healthy, and we have duplicated the Meatless Mondays project in our hospitals, uh, correctional facilities, and we're trying to expand it to identify more days outside of Monday to also show the power of eating healthy. We put we've we've we have invested millions of dollars into our schools to create hydroponic labs where children can load the, learn the power of growing food, serving that food in the cafeteria, and just eating a healthy lifestyle. One child in one location in Brownsville uh, shared with me this was the first time he ever had a salad, and he was in high school. Wow, that's that's not yeah. powerful. <laughs> You know, and so we're focusing on the schools and really teaching a new generation about how healthy food not only protects our mothers, but it protects Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the 
destruction of our planet, the burning of the Amazon is all connected to chicken and cattle feed. Uh, we need to have the clear connection of our overconsumption in meat and what it's doing to our planet. But one of the most exciting things we're happy about is our Bellevue project. We partnered with Dr. McMacken, and we have a project, the first of its kind in America. And what significant, is significant here is that Bellevue is the oldest hospital in America. But we have a lifestyle medicine project clinic where we are reversing diseases. I am so proud of this. Um, it's truly a legacy that we can leave, and it gives a great opportunity uh, for people to start re reversing the disease. We have hundreds of people who are in the program. Several hundreds are on a waiting list to get in. And so we're moving in the right direction, and I think our time has come. Yeah, that's amazing. And just thinking about even, you know, you think of the number 100 and thinks, well, in, in a world that's so big, maybe that's not, that's a small number. But like you said something earlier, it's it's every person that, that you can impact with this plant-based diet. If you can help them heal disease and live a healthier lifestyle, they're going to carry that on to their family, their friends, their loved ones. Um, and, and suddenly that 100 becomes 1,000, that 1,000 becomes 100,000 and then a million. So, you know, I think that's so uh, fundamental, not only for the school system, which I think is great, you know, teaching kids at an early age, but, you know, people who've lived this way their whole lives to, you know, make the change at, you know, however old, 40, 50, 60 years old and, and see the benefits. I mean, that's just as powerful in my opinion, so. And, 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 and having options, and I think what you stated is so important because, particularly in a borough like Brooklyn, in a city like New York, 47% of Brooklynites speak a language other than English at home. Mm. And whoever is a, around immigrant populations, no matter if it's now or in the past, the children really play an important role in helping families become indoctrinated to the lifestyles of a particular new environment. So if these children learn healthy eating habits, they will go home and start educating their parents on why they should use different ways of eating. And that's so important. But in, in addition to that, uh, it is about, you know, how do we rechange our culture in a very user-friendly way? My mother followed me. My mother was diabetic for 15 years, uh, seven years on insulin. Mom followed me, and within two months, she called me in tears telling me they took her off of insulin. After all wow. those years, she was on nine medications. Wow. You, you know, so when you start to look at the, my brothers and sisters, you know, we, we were on a family call. One of my sisters is experiencing breast cancer. Another one lost a kidney to diabetes. Another brother is going through chemo right now. Uh, so you can't benchmark your family's lives, lives and interactions based on who got into hospital, your chemo days, what body part was removed. There's just so much more to life than existing between doctor's appointments. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's amazing to hear the, the story of your mom. And, you know, I obviously wish wish the best of luck and, and send well wishes to your brothers and sisters who are going through what they are right now. But 
you know, I think you just living the way you are and just being that example, you know, for them, whether it's, whether it's making a big impact or even just making a small one again, that's just going to continue to carry forward. So, uh, very commendable. And I'm glad to see that, you know, what seems like you're having a great response from these initiatives that you've made so far. Uh, just amazing response. There is a different energy in the air and you're right. Um, you know, I would have never thought number one, that I would have made this major change, but to watch my brothers and sisters also, they are making this change and people in my circle, a lot of my staff uh, is making the change and moving in the right direction. It's, and it's about incremental steps and not to beat each other, uh, each other up. Uh, but, you know, just to embrace each other and support each other. And we're seeing that with our health ministries in the churches and inside our other houses of worship, our mosques, our synagogues, speaking uh, to different organizations that traditionally only dealt with uh, sick care and not health care. Mm, yeah. But changing the mindset, even now with coronavirus, uh, that fancy term of pre-existing conditions is just diabetes, heart disease, asthma, respiratory issues. And so showing people how all of those pre-existing conditions don't have to exist if we take healthy steps and we can actually be ready and start building our immune systems instead of allowing them to be compromised in the manner that they are. And so we're seeing a good response People are ready to heal. They're ready. Yeah, that's. I'm. I'm glad you touched on that because that was actually going to be my next question. Was you know what role do you think a healthy diet and lifestyle plays in the fight against the virus? But you know, you just said it perfectly. Is these pre-existing conditions they're talking about don't have to exist? You know, um, but it starts with taking that first step towards you know towards a, a whole food plant based diet and and getting rid of these these pre-existing conditions that don't have to be there. Right. All of these comorbidities. Uh, and, you know, as we have been uh, speaking about the food, government, government should not be feeding the crisis. You know, I can't tell you what to put on your grill in your backyard, but I don't shouldn't use taxpayers dollars to pay for people to be sick. Um, when we yeah. the food we're feeding our seniors, our children, those who are incarcerated, you know, oftentimes government interacts with you when you're at uh, the most desperate part of your life, and we should be feeding you healthy food so that you can survive not only the tragedy you're going through, but use it as a moment to really restart and improve your life. Mm, yeah, very well said. It's hard to do that sometimes, you know, when you're at rock bottom, uh, you know, it's it's hard to to stand up for yourself. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle um, with with adopting this lifestyle is, you know, you're going against the grain, you're going against everything you've been taught, everything uh, that's culture and tradition and standing up against that and saying that you're going to go another path. You know, I dealt with that um, when I made the switch almost eight years ago. Mm. Um, and, and luckily now it's, it's becoming more accepted. It's, it's becoming an easier path. And something you mentioned earlier, I think that when we, when we make this an easier path, when we make it an easy option to go to the store and, and choose product A versus product B, 
um, and, and one is, is leading to health and the other one is feeding disease and the price point is the same, you know, that's when we're really going to make, make the shift when we make this available, when we make this easy. So, um, that's going to continue to move forward with initiatives that, that you're implementing, um, you know, in the hospitals and the schools. So it's, you know, it's, it's very commendable what you're doing and I just, you know, got to give you a hand for that. So. Thank you. And, and, and the switch is possible and we're doing a, a few creative things, as we uh, deal with the affordability aspect of it, we're showing people how you can walk into your, your grocery store, how you can read labels, uh, how you can buy a bag of lentils and make lentil stew, uh, lentil salad, lentil burgers, uh, the creativity that can come from an inexpensive uh, meal, dried beans, soaking them overnight, and then uh, making different meals with that, you know, uh, seven bean salad. And there are ways to really enjoy. And we're showing people the power of spices and the healing powers that come with spices, uh, nutmeg, cumin, uh, curry, uh, all of these powerful uh, entities and byproducts of these spices. People think they're just there to, so that you can enjoy the taste. No, the role of turmeric and pepper and the combination and how it helps diabetics and just really showing people the power of spices is really so important. We're, we're getting there slowly but surely, but um, I know your time is precious here. I, I want to end this with one more question for you, and that's basically just what would you like to say to the listeners and anyone who might be struggling right now with the current state of the world? To, um, to believe. I remember on September 11th going down to the Trade Center and looking at those offices filled with dust. The ground was smoldering. It was a vision I never thought I'll ever see in America. We were never attacked on our shores outside of Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. And it was traumatizing. But on 9-12, something happened. People got up. Teachers taught. Builders built. Retailers opened their stores. And we were ground zero again. We were at the epicenter of the terrorist attack. And America and the globe looked at us and saw our resiliency, and they started to believe that we could survive. And so, as I stated, that this is not terrorism, but it's still terror. And once again, we find ourselves on the front stage, and people are watching us. And we eventually, we will open our city. Uh, let's show people what we're made of and just believe we're going to be fine. This is not forever. This is a moment. And let's just cycle through it. What an amazing guy, Eric Adams, the president of the Brooklyn Borough in New York City. If you want to keep up with him, you can follow him at BP Eric Adams. Thank you guys for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you are enjoying the show again after the hiatus. Don't forget to share this episode with a family member or a friend. Somebody you think would also find value in this podcast. You can leave me a rating and review on iTunes. And if you want to stay up to date with me and what I'm doing, head to my website, www.strengthandcompassion.com and sign up for my newsletter. And you can also follow me on Instagram at underscore JP Singer. Thank you so much, guys. I can't wait to keep bringing some new episodes for you and I will see you on the next one. Peace.